You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. Hi, I'm Liam Hooper. And I'm Peterson Toscano. Together, we co-host the Bible Bash podcast. Each month, we look into a different ancient story. We're curious to find insights into our own queer lives. We discuss these and share our findings with you. You can find the Bible Bash podcast pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out at the end of each month. This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and we are here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. For more shows like this one, go to rockcandyrecordings.com. All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the coronavirus series of uh, Sacred Tension. Because we live in a fucking apocalypse, and my brain is just not able to do as much work as it used to be able to do right now, because we're all just managing stress. We're all just managing massive amounts of uncertainty um, and financial distress and and all of that stuff. The brain fog is everywhere, and I have it too. So I still want to provide these conversations for you. Um, especially for people who might be feeling a bit alone, for people who might, you know, feel stressed out, shut in um, uh, into their homes and and whatnot. So I want to provide these conversations, but they're just going to have to require a little bit less work (laughs) because I do not have the energy for it right now. Um, Also, I don't know how much longer I will have to do this. We might be getting back to regular edited episodes because I do kind of feel like my life is somewhat coming back together. So it might be a couple of weeks or it might still be several months. I'm not sure, but I I see light at the end of the tunnel for me personally. I feel like I'm adjusting to the new normal. Um, So this, uh, I'm not sure how many more episodes there will be like this, but thank you for tolerating and enjoying my unedited episodes. All right. Well, before we go on, I have to thank my latest patrons. Um, There's been a huge crop of patrons, and I have to thank all of them so very much from the bottom of my heart, because now it's really hard for everyone, including creators. Um, And so if you have a creator who you really love, a small independent creator, um, that creator relies on their listeners. So if there's someone you love, some like a YouTuber or a musician or someone who you just absolutely love, who's, who's smaller, who's more independent, please support that creator if you're able to. Um, all of us small independent creators rely on you. Uh, of course, there is no pressure, and I need you first and foremost to take care of yourself right now. We are living in hard financial times. And, um, but if you are able to give, then please do. So I need to thank my latest patrons, Rowan, Shiva. Oh, Shiva, hi. 
You <laughs> Hey, it's me. Hey, Rowan, <laughs> Rowan, Shiva, Nathaniel, Nick, Phil, Kelly, Kisa, Christopher, Lady Lilith, Jen, Mal, Lisa, Willer Clowns, and Kitty. Thank you all so much. You are amazing. For those of you who are unable to give right now, that's okay. I completely understand. I will continue to bring these conversations to you for free. And um, if sometime in the future you want to become a patron, you're welcome to, but there's no pressure. All right. So I am talking to the absolutely amazing and magnificent Shiva Honey. Hello, Shiva. How are you? Hello. I'm <laughs> are you i'm so great i'm i'm really tired i just got off work um and let me tell you the grocery store business during a pandemic is uh is complicated and stressful <laughs> so it feels like every day when i get i home... can only imagine i remember reading about <laughs> yeah 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 it it's nuts it's it's been absolutely insane fortunately things are kind of calming down some so um, but every day when I come home, I just feel fucking destroyed. Um, but how are you doing? Uh, I'm tired too, but like for other reasons, I can't imagine working in a grocery store right now. I've, I've been so lucky to be able to be at home and work from home, uh, for the most part over the last couple months, but it's, it's rough out there. Things have finally, I've had a lot of craziness and drama the last sure. couple weeks, but, uh, Things have this week is things have turned around. So the reason I'm tired is because my husband and I stayed up until like seven in the morning playing Sailor Moon Monopoly. Uh, so <laughs> I woke up a little bit late. <laughs> I did. That's a amazing. Little bit more hungover than expected, but you know, that's I'm, great. I'm doing well. <laughs> that's great. That's hilarious. So yeah, speaking of hungover, my I uh, had to send you a message shortly before recording, being like, "Hey, so my." So my very drunk partner, who's playing Wolfenstein in the next room right now, um, <laughs> drunk, b drunk ordered a pizza and I had to go pick it up. I was like, I might be late. I'm so sorry. Um, no, COVID-19 is the is the best time to uh, to get very drunk, I guess. It is. You know, I'm sure I think liquor sales, I saw a statistic somewhere that they've gone up incredibly since. Oh, yeah. Who can, you know, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Right? I mean, at the <laughs> at the grocery store, we have an incredible alcohol section uh, and it's all like small independent breweries. I'm in Asheville, which is like, you know, out, you know, beer city north or mm -hmm. beer city, America. Um, and so all of the small independent breweries are here. Not all of them, of course, but a ton. And um, we we must spend hundreds of thousands of dollars now keeping that every week, keeping that section stocked. I have never seen people drink this much alcohol. I mean, there are people coming through the lines with carts piled full wow. of just alcohol and literally buying like $2,000 worth of alcohol at a time. And I want to be like, you do realize the zombies aren't coming, right? Yeah. Like, anyway, so, <laughs> <laughs> so you're Shiva Honey, which means you're an amazing badass. You are the author of The Devil's Tome. You are part of the leadership of the Satanic Temple, and you have been for quite a while. You were involved in the Seattle, um, in the Seattle chapter, 
and you are on the International Council of the Satanic Temple. So you and, and now, if I understand correctly, you are the director of events. It's kind of gone back and forth. Okay. Um, yeah, I uh, yeah I got involved with TST back in 2014. Actually, the Detroit chapter. So I'm based out of Michigan. Um, but oh, I, oh 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 right 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 yes. Yeah yeah yeah. But um, that was my dyslexia. That was my dyslexia. It's like it's which one is in the northeast and which one is the northwest. <laughs> I've been. I've, I've visited the uh, the temple in Seattle, and, and they're great folks too. Yeah, they're um, good I went to one of their parties. It was really awesome. But. Nice. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I, I got involved back in 2014. Uh, Detroit was like the first chapter of the Satanic Temple, and I kind of got my feet wet with the, the work there. And then I became, uh, oh, I was a founding member of the National Council, now known as the International Council. I think that was back in 2016 when we formed. I served on that for a couple of years, and then I transitioned out to do more like project work. Um, I don't even, I guess I still have the title of the director of national events for TST, but um, I mostly I'm, I, uh, my work with them now is uh, is around uh, creating rituals for the headquarters. So I've been coming That's to awesome. Salem over the last couple of years to um, to create with a group of awesome collaborators the the black masses that we've done on baptisms, um, mm. all that good stuff. So, awesome. so yeah, it's been great. That's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. So. For people who don't know, who are new to this show, first of all, welcome. Hi, I'm glad you're here. And secondly, TST stands for the Satanic Temple. Um, And if you're new to this show, uh, the Satanic Temple is a non-theistic religious organization, and I have done lots of writing about non-theistic Satanism at my website. Also, go check out thesatanictemple.com if you are interested and need more information about it. So your whole, you are such, uh, how do I, how do I, where do I want to go with this? Basically, I love you because you have a sense of, of ritual and for lack of a better term, mysticism and i mean that in an entirely non-theistic sense um well thank you (laughs) you know what i i don't know and uh that i and it is because and that and and the lack of those qualities is what always felt me shut off from the broader atheist community Mm does does Yeah, I, I mean, I am a deeply religious person who is also non-theistic, um, and I'm also, I consider myself a mystic, but I consider myself a non-supernaturalist, and I know that's a contradiction in terms for a lot of people, but for me it isn't. And so I always got this sense that TST was, was to a certain degree hospitable to that, um, mm-hmm. maybe not consistently, maybe not in every chapter or what have you, but I always had the sense that there might be some openness to it. And then I read your book, um, which I just thought was so wonderful and so liberating because it, it helped me, um, I, I think the mo- the, I think the best thing about it is the permission that it gives people. I felt mm-hmm. like the book gave me permission to be who I am, which is a deeply embodied, very religious, and very ritualistic 
uh, non-theist and Satanist. Mm -hmm. Do, does that make sense? Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that's what I really wanted to set out to do um, with this book, because I think I think we actually probably come from similar backgrounds, too. I've, I've read some of your writing, and I, I thought that your take yes, on the book was incredible. And um, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate what you're saying now about mysticism. I, it's I'm also, I guess, I you know, I always considered myself spiritual, I guess, to some extent, although not in the theistic way, if that, Absolutely. like, I guess, mystic, spiritual, whatever. And I find that within, you know, I've done a lot of different work within the temple. Previous to the, the temple, I wasn't, I didn't really identify as a Satanist, but uh, my journey has been one more where, where a lot of folks in, in the temple gravitate toward, like, really, you know, really strong activism, which I still appreciate and take part in, or different, different sort of areas of interest for me the inner work part has always been the most interesting and uh, the thing that I've really focused on cultivating over the last couple of years and uh, yeah for me when I first got involved with the temple I think I think we as an organization being you know a group of people we're still trying to figure out how ritual fit in and uh, it was quite a taboo for a long time and a lot of people came from that hard atheist background that carried a lot of baggage rightly so because of you know really fucked up religious upbringings or, you know, various A, B, C, and D that's happening out in the world, the way that evangelicals have, or other folks have hijacked uh, religion or ritual in a certain way that's been really distasteful. So it's, it's taken us, I think, a long time to come to a place where we can kind of understand the nuance of all of this and have it still, uh, you know, incorporate science and incorporate uh, the values that we have as Satanists. So it's been an ongoing process, but I found that so there are so many of us out there. I before I started writing the book, before I started doing the rituals at headquarters, I thought that I was one of a few people maybe that was really interested in that aspect of Satanism. And then through my work at uh, with the temple over the last couple of years at the headquarters, doing rituals and through teaching some classes, I found there were so many folks that were kind of in the same headspace that I've been in and and wanted somebody to come along and say like it's okay. Yeah. So. That was kind of my purpose in writing this book. I, I was like, nobody's written anything like this before for our specific group. And I want to give people the permission, if I can, to be able to kind of explore this path and make it their own and hopefully inspire some other people to kind of help this area of our religion grow more. And, uh, you know. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's one of the most exciting things about being in a healthy new religious movement, and that healthy part is a really important caveat, but a healthy new religious movement, which is we get to decide. I mean, we get to shape and be part of the conversation about how this religion grows and what it will look like. And that, to me, is just so exciting that we are in the process of building this religious movement. It's still very much in its infancy, and, you know, what you were saying a minute ago was just exactly my own experience where when I came to TST, I was kind of a, I was so on board with all of the activism, with the symbol of Satan, with um, the tenets, with all of it, with the non-theism, so on and so forth. But I wasn't entirely sure if they would be on board with me. <laughs> yeah, being, sure. you know, being a, um, being a a fully religious human being who uh, loves the occult, 
who loves tarot, who loves all of these different things that are more quote unquote woo. Um, mm-hmm. But I found enormous fulfillment in from a non-theistic perspective. Um, and just as I've spent more time in the temple, I have, I've discovered that I absolutely have a place that, and I, I haven't felt marginalized at all. Every so often there will be someone who kind of throws up a flare or whatever, but you know, that's everywhere. Um, so what has been your journey into satanic ritual? Yeah, well, I guess it starts, um, it's, uh, I guess I'll start at the beginning. So I grew up a very religious person. I was raised inside of a, a evangelical church, which I really clung to. I think I had a really, I had a really traumatic childhood and, uh, you know, a lot of the trauma that I experienced was at the hands of the church, but, hmm. uh, for whatever reason, I think just out of pure survival, I decided to just take on the mantle of it anyway, and just like become an evangelical basically as a kid, you know, I got baptized, yeah. I think when I was eight or something like that. And I was like, the funny thing, I was like the, the Bible memory verse champion, uh, you know, <laughs> and I, yes. I was like Awanas and like all that, all that business. And then uh, I got older and uh, even as a teenager, the whole Christianity thing stuck with me quite a bit, um, but, but it shifted, you know, I never took the the social beliefs really of the church on, but I did take on the, the idea of Jesus as like a, a liberator of people to some extent, more in like the liberation mm. theology side of things. So like mm-hmm. uh, some of the social movements that happened around Christianity that were actually positive, like in uh, South America and that sort of thing. The, all the folks that ended up getting like decommissioned by the Catholic Church by Ratzinger and everything—they're all the folks that I they're all were cool. <laughs> badasses. They're all amazing. Yeah, and we then stand. I just started. Yeah, exactly. I just I thought they were really great, and I knew so many. There were a lot of people outside of that church specifically that I was involved with that were good people, and like I was always really interested in like community activism and. I found a place in there for a while as I got older, but then the real shift took place when I, um, I helped my mom get a divorce from her really abusive ex-husband. Mm. So I got a house and I like moved her in with me and she's, she's kind of a recovering evangelical. She's become like pretty wooey and interesting <laughs> in her in the last <laughs> couple of years, kind of along similar path to mine. But, um, but anyhow, once I was able to separate kind of from his influence and uh, actually my biological father, who's also really abusive and Catholic and fucked up. And once we were able to kind of get away from those people, I was able to finally safely kind of explore things on my own because I was always interested and I was trying to write, I wrote papers about Satanism when I was in high school, I think, or maybe early college, like kind of a uh, ethnographic sort of experience, like mm. trying to, to find like a church of Satan group around <laughs> my, my neighborhood and that sort of thing. And I, uh, I was always interested in like astrology and witchcraft, but you know, all those things were like banned in my household and uh, you know, punished severely if you were caught. So I, I definitely kind of gave that space uh, and filled it, I guess, with like this sort of mystical Christianity. And then once I was finally able to separate from all that, I was probably about 25 and I started getting into Crowley and I started getting into just just a compendium of, of various like occult thinkers, uh, taking what I thought was good, leaving what I thought wasn't, um, trying to understand a little bit more about the practice of witchcraft, primarily, you know, being a solo practitioner, not really being interested in any sort of hierarchical groups or anything like that. And then, um, you know, through, I heard about the Satanic Temple. Um, I remember being at work uh, and coming across the pink mass and thinking that was like so great. Cause I also loved uh, 
like the work of Abby Hoffman and this sort of political theater aspect to activism. And I thought like how, I thought it was so smart and so funny. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that was that was I, my first exposure to no actually yeah. my exposure was the BDSM babies that Jax Blackmore that Jax um, Blackmore did and I I fucking loved it I was I instantly got it yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know like I I instantly understood what TST was and what it was doing and that it was a religion yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's just, to me, there was that multi-pronged approach that I've always thought was so smart, too. There's like, I call it the portfolio kind of of TST. There's the mm. activism part. You know, there's the art part that I think we're exploring more and more. And then there's, uh, you know, there's the legal, the legal portion of that work. And then there's the community building. It's, and it all comes together and weaves around in this really, really interesting. It does. This kind of tapestry. And it's beautiful. But, um, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And it's, and it's, so Jax was the chapter head of Detroit or hadn't, I don't think she'd become the chapter head yet when I got involved. So the, the group in Detroit was just beginning and this was like the first chapter of TST. And I gotten, I was, I was already active in the art community and I was doing like satanic themed occult performances with my band and everything. So I got invited to go to this uh, haunted house with a whole bunch of Satanists. So I was like, cool. And then basically the chapter started. So right after that we did like snaketivity. So we brought the snaketivity statue to the Capitol Lansing, which was completely insane. And we kind of just went on from there for a little while. We, we burned bright and short. Um, sure. And uh, in the background of all this, I was, I had been for years, you know, practicing tarot. I had been, uh, you know, creating rituals for myself, especially, you know, coming out of that traumatic uh, adolescence and trying to find different ways to heal and to understand myself. Uh, I'd also come out of a big breakup and you know, was exploring like being queer and being all the other other things. And uh, it was just, that was happening in the background, but I wasn't really talking to anyone about it because I was too nervous <laughs> about sure. like, what people would think. At that time, like, I, I don't, you know, there wasn't really a clear message that that was accepted within the, the organization and that sort of thing. So I, I was kind of quietly practicing in the background and, uh, and then got asked to come to uh, Salem, I think it was 2017, to, to take over the first uh black mass at the headquarters so i came in there and just kind of realized that we're all kind of figuring this out as we go along and then just kind of like stopped asking permission and started just like <laughs> doing my thing and seeing that people were responding to it well so it's it's been a long journey but uh in my mind it all makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah no i love it and and there's so much in there that i relate to as well how did people how did people initially respond to your kind of esoteric ritual interests in the satanic temple? I would say not well. Okay. Uh, at least I, I can say that there have always been those people that I'm close to in the organization who've understood. Like Lucian and I are close. Uh, I'm close with a lot of the OGs, uh, Stu and, what does, and a lot of What does OG mean? Oh, original gangster. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, 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 okay. old school TST member. Got it. Okay. I was <laughs> yeah, like, so is this a technical term in TST no. that I'm not aware of? Okay, cool. <laughs> no, it's secret, yeah, it's like secret society or something like that. Great. Uh, you know, like Hollow Access, who's one of my um, one of my friends, he, he was also part of the Detroit chapter and he's in like Hail Satan and everything. He's hmm. he's great. And he also comes from that sort of background, too. So we some of us would talk about it uh, amongst ourselves. Lucian, that's, you know, he doesn't really practice, but he just appreciates and like is supportive of, of this sort of thing. But um, 
Uh, yeah, I would, when the forum was active, I don't know if you're on Facebook or not, but there was a TST, an official oh, forum yes. that would, was, oh, yeah. you know, just kind of, you know. So. There would there would be wave after wave after wave yeah. of just ceaseless controversy. And, and also, you know, some of that controversy has kind of spilled over onto my Discord server for my mm. community where, um, you know, fortunately, my community is, is, they're just so wonderful. And usually when, when um, conflict does arise, they handle it really well. <laughs> and That's so great. generally, I'm really proud of them. Everyone, everyone at my Discord server, I think they're amazing. And I'm super proud of them for how they handle the occasional conflict. But um, so one thing that that has come up is people feeling confused and ostracized by what they have seen as the culture of TST, which is mm -hmm. um, some people are hardcore, no which is allowed, period. Um, and then there's you. <laughs> <laughs> here I am. And here Just you are. Own. Just doing my own thing, and, I guess. <laughs> and But also, I mean... And the way I try to articulate it is, well, as someone who has been in various religious settings, you know, these tensions are normal and they're healthy, as as uncomfortable as they are. And so the fact that there is a faction in TST who will always be, no witches allowed, <laughs> as, as wrong as I think that is, um, oh, and, you know, no magic allowed, no no ritual allowed as as wrong as i think that is i think it's healthy that they're present you know religious community is made up of tension um yeah. but also i am very much it i i feel like what i tell people is if i am welcomed if i stephen long am welcomed in the satanic temple there's no reason for a non-theistic witch to be welcomed. There's no, mm -hmm. for, or there's no reason for a non-theistic witch not to be welcomed, I mean. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, or a non-theistic Muslim, or Jew, or, <laughs> you know, what have you. Right. I really see TST as kind of being this uh, unexpectedly broad cultural phenomenon of, of people from different religious traditions finding solidarity in the temple. You know, whether they're witches or pagans or Christians or whatnot. And um, and that is how I approach that whole thing. But it is an ongoing issue. <laughs> and it's so yeah. funny. It's, it's so funny to me how some people just lose their shit. Um, yeah. Yeah. At the prospect. I mean, we're not like... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're not like a monolith, you know, and I think that's absolutely. there's no religion where people are all going to be robots. And if there were, then that's absolutely horrible. Right. That's like we, scary and we don't has, want that. Yes. Nobody has the same experience. Nobody needs we you know, we have the same basic needs. But like, you know, when it gets to get down to the details, there's a lot of nuance there. Um, yeah. And going back to kind of what we were saying before, like when I first got involved with TST, nobody really spoke about it, but then the forum, you know, people would start having conversations and I would chime in here and there, but 
um, before I was kind of known a bit more, you know, I'd go on there and people were just really mean and also behind my back. And I'm sure they still are behind my back. I just don't care. But like, you know, I've had people send me, send me screenshots talking about how stupid I am. <laughs> like I practice tarot and make ritual. I can't believe she was put in leadership, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, that's fine. Like everybody's entitled to their opinion. But um, for the most part now, I just, my, my feeling with TST is that, you know, I have a lot of tolerance for diversity, uh, diversity of opinion, diversity of background, uh, yeah. as long as you're not like a neo-Nazi or something like that, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. live and let live. But um, I think that, you know, it's the tenets and, uh, you know, this, this belief in, in those values that unites a lot of us and the good work that we do. And, you know, for me, when I, I thought, you know, again, with writing this book, um, I had, I was somebody that had been involved with the organization for a long time and had had positions of leadership. So I'm like, somebody's got to speak up for us, you know, and to be taken seriously. And so I wanted to use any sort of clout that I'd gained over the years to be like, you know, it's okay. <laughs> it's because also being like a religion that's recognized by the government now, the American government, North American, or I should say United States government, like there's a need to, you know, demonstrate that we have all these different practices and uh, it's just like, it all just makes sense to me, you know? Yeah, like, we, we are a religion. We, we are... Yeah. A religion and a religion is embodied. It is incarnated, and uh, you know involves the body and the mind and ritual and all that. It's two varying degrees for different people, you know. And mm -hmm. yeah, one of my big interests is um, is, is developing. Maybe develop is the wrong word, but but cultivating the interior satanic practice mm -hmm. um, and, and how do we create a culture that encourages that to in such a way that it is accessible to people who want it, you know, mm -hmm. and that, that mm -hmm. is the important distinction for people who want it. There are some people, there are some satanists who will not be interested in say a, a private interior satanic practice, and that's totally okay. Um, mm -hmm. I'm one of the people who does want that and does want to build it, but that other satanists don't. It doesn't make them less satanic, you know. Right. No one is no no one is more or less satanic based on how they practice. Mm -hmm. um, but I I would love to see. I I think one of the reasons why I was so excited about your book is just because I. I am personally very interested in cultivating more of a space where we can have that interior religious mm -hmm. experience, if that makes sense. Do you know, I, I don't know how well I'm communicating that. No, no, I understand completely what you're saying. I've been thinking about this a lot too. And I've been thinking about, um, I just had some really great conversations. I, I have a Patreon too. And I, uh, Yes, everyone training. go support her on Patreon, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, go go um, support go support Shiva, go support Pinamu, go support Lucian, and then you could have like a a fabulous satanic quadrilateral of yeah. of Patreon satanic content. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. We're doing it. Um but you know, that was kind of the idea behind that project, getting the Patreon going, was that I wanted to help encourage and cultivate, you know, that community, that sort of mm. the, the group that's focused on ritual, satanic ritual and 
you know, can, can learn and grow together and that sort of thing we can, where we can all learn from each other and share our thoughts. So I had a really great conversation with those folks yesterday. And then I had a really great conversation this afternoon with um, the TST Ohio group. And we got into some really interesting philosophical discussions and like really interesting ways that now that I think people understand it and know that it's okay <laughs> that they want to explore this idea of ritual and we got into like discussions of like the self and like metaphysics and like quantum physics and all this wild stuff that I hadn't really thought of <laughs> in the context of my work yet but that's cool it was getting it was getting really cool and I just love seeing that happen I love you know the thing that I can't stand is like elitism and I can't stand the sort of hierarchical approach, like you were saying, like, I'm a better Satanist than you because yes. of the exits. Like, I'm an anarchist at heart. And I'm like, everybody just needs to do whatever they need to do to, like, get them through the day and, like, make them feel yes. good. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, life, there's life is less fucking satanic. short. Life, yeah. is, life is fucking short. And, like, if people need to, you know, piss on each other consensually to feel good, then have at it. Go for yes. it. Like, yeah, and I, can, I talked about ritual in the context of sex a lot, too, just in yes. that, like, some people, you know, and I talked, I was on Lucian's uh, podcast, like, when I first released the book or, like, first announced the book or whatever, and that's what I was talking about. It's like, you know, some people don't need ritual. Some people want, like, vanilla sex. Some people just want to, like, be straightforward, get it done with, don't need the additional processes to, like, get off, you know, but some people have these very detailed yeah. and beautiful and exquisite they, they you know. don't need a latex bodysuit and that's okay yeah and some people need a, a latex bodysuit that's like a frog and like that's part of their thing <laughs> exactly and like, that's cool like you know life that's a is short thing. <laughs> let's let's embrace it yeah exactly and you know i think that yeah i i remember hearing that conversation and really loving that part where just bringing a non-judgmental aspect where i i think that if we're comparing ritual to kink, then I am, I am very, very, very kinky. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, I love, um, the enchantment of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Joseph Laycock has a book called, um, Dangerous Games, which is about Dungeons and Dragons. And oh, great. it's a great book, but what it's really about is, I mean, it's about the moral panic in the eighties, uh, that, uh, over Dungeons and Dragons, uh, has, uh, had that tied into the satanic panic. And it's a great book, but what he says is that embedded in that panic was the horror that Dungeons and Dragons was too much like religion in that it was ritualistic in that it was a shared imagined world mm -hmm. where you entered a space of enchantment, a shared reality. And, he, he says, it isn't that it isn't real. It is an annex to reality. And, you know, when you play Dungeons and Dragons, you enter that alternate reality together into what he calls a paracosm, a shared universe mm -hmm. and a shared imagined world. And you have experiences there that alter you, that change you, that change mm -hmm. your mind. It changes your brain. And, and then you leave that space, you leave that sacred space, and you return to the world altered in a significant way. And he says, mm -hmm. what really frightened people about Dungeons and Dragons is that it was too much like religion. And it made the fundamentalists feel threatened. Mm -hmm. And and I love that. And I and he says that play is at the root of all religion, this idea of entering an enchanted space. And 
and having play. And he does. He says he doesn't mean play in a in a degrading sense, but play as a fundamental human activity that of of entering into an an enchanted space where we can experience transformation and that that is the root of religious experience. Um, mm-hmm. And we also explore that in things like Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> right? Um, mm-hmm. So I, so, you know, like before we started recording, I lit my uh, deep work candle, which I do whenever I do any kind of deep work uh, focused work. And that was because it, it sets the space and it creates kind of an enchanted atmosphere. And it's a physical representation of my focus as I do whatever work that I'm focused on, you know. And mm-hmm. um, I have all kinds of little things like that in my life where I just ritualize certain aspects of my life. Um, to bring a certain measure of enchantment and wonder to it. And tra- and it helps me become, it, it helps me be more open to the transformation mm-hmm. of that experience. Um, mm-hmm. The candle thing, I had been doing it for a long time, but reading your book helped me clarify, oh, this is what I'm doing. I can mm-hmm. do this more deliberately now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So... Some, so your book is divided between what are what are the basic sections of your book? Uh, explain kind of the journey that you take readers on through your book. Yeah, I'm actually going. So I've got it in front of me because I forget details sometimes. But yeah, sure. basically, I, uh, you know, I wrote this book pretty quickly, but it had really been like well, how many of a year, like a six year process, I guess, just through experience trying to figure out exactly not unknowing that I would eventually write a book, just having these experiences and trying to understand how to explain my experience with, to other people, try to get them to understand again, like the context of ritual and this newer new version of Satanism. Um, so basically, yeah, the book is structured. I've got the foreword from Lucian um, where he just kind of puts into context how ritual fits in with the, the framework, within the framework of the Satanic Temple. I've got um, just a brief kind of introduction to the book um I start out because you know science is everything and I do feel like giving people a reason uh a scientific reason why ritual can fit in with our beliefs is important and I think has been the thing that's convinced a lot of people that it's uh relevant and gets them to understand where we're coming from so I've got like a brief uh, meta-analysis kind of of the literature as it as it is now more specifically um, the uh, literature that circulates around the kind of like the psychology of ritual. There's there's a whole other body of, of literature that's more geared toward like anthropological sort of like, you know, ritual brings us together as groups and that sort of thing. But this is more specifically like, you know, so some of the mechanisms, people trying to break down the mechanisms of how ritual works within the human psyche to kind of help us. Um, so I start out with that, just giving the background. Then, then I talk a little bit about just my life. Um, didn't want to get into too many details just because of, you know, it is what it is, but I just wanted to give people some background, and I think a lot of us share some common themes within our experience, um, and it's nice to know that other people have have had that. Um, so just kind of like my background and how I got involved with Satanism and, and sort of like kind of my mystical background, I guess, and interest in how that's all sort of led up to me creating my own practice and can also give other people ideas about how to, to create their own and where to draw from. Um, then I've got my section on you know, how to build your personal practice. So these are just, that's just like a couple of short pointers from my experience that can help um, as you're going through to try to, to try to 
figure out, you know, what ritual means to you, what kind of rituals you'd like to do, how you'd like to create a ritual, that sort of thing. And, and also really to give people the permission to just, you know, go with their gut and do things that make sense to them. So the rest of the book is laid out um, around uh, solo rituals. Uh, I'm predominantly like a solo practitioner. So I've got, um, I think, 14 rituals that are, um, you know, for a person working by themselves, pretty much. Um, and can provide by no means are they like, you know, follow it to the letter sort of like, here's what you have to do. It's more like, here's some things that I've come up with that have worked or have worked for other people that I've worked, uh, have given them to and hmm. give them a try or let them serve as inspiration for you. So I've got those. And then I've got the second section uh, to, to that portion of the book, which is about group ritual and gets into for the first time. Um, some of the background behind the rituals that have been done at the Satanic Temple headquarters in Salem. It's got some really awesome photographs uh, in there um, by yeah. June of 87. He's uh, Stephen Pompeo. He's, he's incredible. He's actually working on a book himself that'll be coming out eventually and will be Ooh. amazing. But um, I'll need to so interview him about that. Too. Oh, you should. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll put you guys in touch. Um, he's incredible. Yeah. He just, I met him through Lex, who also contributes to the book. He's a uh, one Lex of the illustrators. Lex Uh No, so this is uh, Lex Corey. So okay. he is one of the. He does most of the illustrations for the solo rituals, uh, and then Lucian mm. does a lot of the other illustrations as well. So he designed oh, yeah, a lot of the. Yeah, that's that the other Lex. part of the book. That's the whole other part of the book is the gorgeous illustrations in it and photographs. Like it, it really is a beautifully put together book. Um, Thank you. And it and it currently sits on my altar, and uh, is is a perfect uh, altar piece for my spooky little altar here in my study. Yay! Thank you. That was my <laughs> that was my thought too. I was like, if I'm going to write a book, I want to make it really really beautiful because I'm very interested in aesthetics and it's like so mm -hmm. much of what I've put together when I do big rituals uh, like at headquarters or with other groups. So much of me, the ritual work in that context uh, revolves around, you know, the images and the yes. just like the dressing, the environment. So I really wanted to make this. I don't I didn't just want to like flop out a book and be like, here you go. I wanted it to look really beautiful and, and also to yes. kind of support the artists that I really love. So Lucian, you know, I've always loved his artwork. And then um, Lex is incredible and uh, mm. has done like all the flyers for the HQ events and that sort of thing. He's such a talented artist. So I really wanted to bring him into this as well. Mm. Um, and yeah, a lot of that's highlighted in the group ritual section. So you can see things, you can see some of the photos of the rituals that we've done at HQ. You can see, you get the scripts of the rituals that we've done, kind of my thought process behind um, the rituals that I've worked on. And I also bring in other people that I've collaborated with just to give you sort of an idea of like, you know, how we go about these things, because it can be really intimidating to start working on creating your own rituals or creating group rituals. And I think a lot of us, I know that when I was starting out, um, the first time I went to headquarters to do a ritual, it was the Black Mass of 2017. And it was, I had like three days to prepare and I didn't know what I, I didn't know what permission I had to get from who. And I didn't know, you know, Malcolm and Lucian are just like, yeah, just do it. And uh, I'm like, <laughs> cool. So like, I don't, you don't care like specifically all the details and it was like you know you just kind of pull it together and figure it out and uh there was a lot of definitely a lot of nerves around being able to create something that was worthy of that space but um it just I kind of try to try to lay bare some of my insecurities and experience with creating 
all of these things um, mm. and just kind of like the thought process behind them and, and what's worked and what hasn't worked too. And I, I spoke with some of the people that I've collaborated with either on the uh, ritual for the headquarters or also for um, the one big ritual we did in Detroit in December, just to get other pr people's perspective too. So it's not just me talking at you. you yeah. Know? So, so speaking <laughs> of that, so that, that ritual that you just, um, that you just described the Yule goat trilogy, Mm -hmm. I I think that was one of my favorite parts of the book because it so the the Yule Goat trilogy was like this this series of three rituals between three different cities right no yeah. two is it was yeah, it two yeah, or three it, different it, oh yeah Grand was, Rapids Lansing Grand and Rapids, Detroit Lansing and Detroit yeah yeah so so these three cities and each one having a different ritual that needed to be prepared. And like the the work that the the deliberate and mindful kind of ritual work that was put into preparation for each of these rituals in these three different cities. And, and you like take us on this journey through these three different rituals and like the emotional catharsis through the whole process of it. I thought it was that was just gorgeous. That was really beautiful. It was like cathartic just reading about it. And so I, I also loved the black masses and oh, yeah. I, what I, what I found so exciting about them was just walking away from the black masses feeling like there is so much potential here for new and interesting and exciting ritual in community and feeling like we've only touched the tip of the iceberg of what's possible mm -hmm. for satanic ritual. Um, and that was really, really exciting for me, just feeling like there is so much potential for what's ahead of us as a community when it comes to the kinds of rituals that we can develop. It's like it's this totally new, fertile ground. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I feel about this as well. And I think um, you were mentioning this when we first began speaking about, you know, us being in the sort of the precipice of a new religion. And I think, you know, it's easy, especially when you're, when you're in a chapter or you're, you're doing a lot of the on the ground work and, it, you know, things can be difficult and things can be challenging and things can be tedious. But what I always try to remind people of when we're in the midst of doing this work is that we are creating just something completely new and different and I think that is yes. really really important and the opportunity there to just tread new tread new ground and to be able to you know develop and uh, imagine something totally new and different is huge the ability to to just create a new path for folks you know that's 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 a unique that's a unique opportunity and life experience to have yeah so it's really cool. Agreed. Um, I, I totally agree. <laughs> well, like one of the masses, and I'll go ahead and put this out here, out there. I was, I was one of the masses that immediately came to mind. So I wrote an article a while ago called Satan in the Void, um, where, you know, a Christian once asked me, um, a Christian friend asked me, so your Satanism isn't really about Satan, is it? And I was like, well, in a way, it's very much about Satan. I wouldn't call it Satanism if it wasn't about Satan, you know, if that figure of right. Satan wasn't at the heart of it. But in a way, he's right, which is I feel like Satan, my Satan is a guide. He isn't a god. He's a guide mm -hmm. He's a who models a posture towards the universe. Mm -hmm. 
and that posture is one of humility and radical agnosticism. Mm-hmm. Before what I, you know, what I like to call the void, not not void as in, you know, nihilism, but void as in a void of knowledge, a void of knowing, you know, just standing before the universe and and looking at its almost unbearable mystery. And that's what my Satanism is really about. <clears throat> it's about rejecting false narrative structures that try to impose on mm-hmm. the void and and thinking, you know, wouldn't it be interesting to write a mass about that and, you know, mm-hmm. like incorporate quotes from from Carl Sagan or something, mm-hmm. you know, it's, mm-hmm. that was that was one of like many different ideas of of potential directions that I personally could go in with my own ritual. Mm-hmm. Um Quick, so a question about the Black Mass, because this sure. is a question that I get from actually a lot of people. Um, for you as a former Christian, what does the Black Mass mean to you, especially destroying the Eucharist or destroying the wafer? I think, see, this is the thing, and this is why I've, I've changed the Black Mass quite a bit from like the Levian version or kind of what was traditionally done. I think because maybe because I didn't grow up Catholic specifically, it, that whole aspect of the mass, that mass is actually my least favorite mass. The first one that we did in 2017, where we pulled, because I didn't know what was possible or what I was supposed to be doing. I was like, we'll mm. just take, you know, the group that was preparing um, the mass previous to me, we're, we're basically taking, you know, and inverting some aspects of ironically, the, the LaVey's black mass. Um, and you know, I felt that that was more of a performance th- than a, something I had like a lot of personal investment in. And I think that, you know, maybe that has something to do too with the, the shift between Levian Satanism and, and what I would call like this more modern uh, sort of practice, especially of satanic rituals that I think a lot of people were reacting to specifically Catholicism um, that were in that group. And for me, it was just... Mm it didn't mean as much like even though I took a lot of Latin out of the the first mass that we did because I'm like no one's going to understand what we're saying and we're not going to know how to pronounce things like we were also preparing <laughs> it in three days like so it's like we have to be able to pull this off and, and Penny Lane from you know Hail Satan the director from Hail Satan and her crew were all there recording it and I'm like we have to make this look good and just get this do this thing without it being overly complicated so for me it was for me, it was more just play and it was more of a performance than it was like something I was like super personally invested in. For me, it was more of a, something that I was hoping would impact people more from a shock value standpoint than kind of like a rock and roll show standpoint than it was from like, I think people are going to come here and feel like, you know, uh, spiritually or like emotionally moved, which happens with the later mass and on baptism that I ended up doing at HQ. So for me, it wasn't, I did not feel that much of a connection to it, honestly. I felt like it was more somebody else's work that I was just kind of, I was almost doing like a reenactment of some some sort of historical thing, you know, <laughs> that I didn't have a lot of, uh, sure. that I, I didn't have a lot of connection with, I suppose. Mm, that's, that's really, really cool. I, yeah, and I could see that progression in the book, and you talk about that progression in the book of going from something that was purely performative to mm-hmm. something that was much more interactive and cathartic. Um, and, you know, I I think that 
the reason I bring up the the Eucharist issue or the you know the e- the the destroying of the mm-hmm. the body of Christ, I think that that's um, really important for a lot of people because mm-hmm. a lot of people have been abused by that symbol. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I have personally heard stories of, I mean, trigger warning for anyone with the history of sexual abuse. Um, but I've, you know, I've heard horrible stories about, you know, someone being abused by a Catholic priest and then them, mm-hmm. um, and then immediately after the rape being, uh, blessed by the Eucharist, you know, him touching the Eucharist to her private parts, mm-hmm. um, to her genitals, uh, to like absolve her or some, you know, some weird distorted thing. And so that, that symbol has been um a t- that that symbol of the eucharist has been such an evil and powerful symbol for so many people and so the the act of destroying it <laughs> like they mm-hmm. do in la basse you know the which was like the the original prototype for the black mass i think um or the maybe not but but la basse by hoisman's where you know at the very end of that novel that's the famous black mass where you know, they they destroy the the Eucharist and whatnot. But I guess my perspective <clears throat> is I still want to consume that wafer. I still want to eat it because to me, for me personally, Satanism rejects false binaries. Mm-hmm. And so I want to be the Baphomet in and of myself. It's like, I mm-hmm. want to contain Satan and Jesus simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And that to me is incredibly satanic. And, and I think that the awesome part about being a Satanist is that you can all be united and still have very different metaphysics of how, you know, we interpret these symbols. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, there's just so much opportunity too to just kind of reinvent and mold things to whatever your personal needs are, even in a group ritual setting, you know, it's just like, you can really, you can bring in elements that are personal to you. So like the unbaptism, for instance, that one, and that one to me was more of a rejection of, of kind of like the, what I grew up with, I suppose, than anything else. Um, the one that I did at headquarters that's in the book, just because for me, I think just, I started crying. Uh, I did this ritual a couple of times. I did it once for the public and then I did it once privately for some of the, the inner kind of inner circle TST folks. But I, the words that I put into that ritual and just this this idea about us being perfect and like rejecting sort of this world and the threats of hell that people have thrown at us and yes. a lot of things that had been said to me as a kid and uh, as an adolescent and as an adult too, you know, just kind of like throwing that back in people's faces and, and going through the physical ritual of actually like binding people and having them wear masks and, and throwing away things, like having them thoughtfully throw away things they no longer want to keep. That, that to me was probably the most personal or effective affected ritual that I've ever written or, you know, Mm. taken part in basically. And also people, people like lost their minds during that ritual and, and the last black mass too, that we did, which I can tell you why I think that is in a few minutes. Lost their, um, lost their minds in a positive way. In a positive way. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody was crying. Everybody was like breaking down, um, having Mm. these really cathartic experiences, especially with the unbaptism. Um, it was really, really powerful to witness and be a part of and seem to, to resonate with people quite a bit, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that that's one for me great. was the most, the most, that was the most kind of like uh, connected, I think 
to those sort of triggers and and mm. the damage you know from all those years absolutely yeah and you know when i look back at my life in the church um and and the immense power that I felt within these various Christian rituals and kind of these altered states of consciousness Mm -hmm. and all of these, um, you know, really powerful, powerful experiences, many of which were abusive towards me as a gay person or just as a person, period. Um, And then Mm -hmm. some that weren't. But looking back on that, realizing those events actually happened and they happened because of the psychological power of ritual, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And so um, I think that, it, and, and, you know, ritual has been such an important part of human development and, and human community for, I mean, thousands and thousands of years. You know, we've, we've been doing ritual for eons. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this temptation to when we become atheists, you know, when we become enlightened atheists, to just look at all of that, to look at those powerful experiences and say, oh, that's too damaging or that's irrational. And I mm-hmm. really grieve for that, R- really, because, it's, I, because I think that while, the, while ritual can be used to really, really harm people, these altered states of consciousness are also some of the most beautiful and transformative experiences that we can have. Yeah, absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. And I think it's, I think it's, you know, we're doing ourselves a real disservice if we give these beautiful aspects of religion, like ritual to just, you know, these lunatics that exactly. uh, we're giving harm people. We're giving you away, know. we're giving a, and, and we're giving them more power when we do that. Exactly. Because, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I was talking to Lucian about this when he came onto my show several weeks ago. Like, I feel like I was trapped in, in uh, theism for so long because I felt like I had to give up being a religious person in order mm-hmm. to be a theist or in order mm-hmm. to be a non-theist. And I, mm-hmm. and I am actually really bitter about that, <laughs> that, yeah. that I didn't feel like I, you know, because I looked at the atheist world and I really admired a lot of them and I really liked a lot of them, but I was just like, but I, I just can't live my life without ritual, without religious altered states of consciousness. I just can't do that. I need mm-hmm. religion in my life for whatever reason, if, you know, I know a lot of atheists are like, that makes you weak, you're, you know, but whatever. I don't care if it is a weakness or not at this point. I don't care. Yeah. And it's Um, like, and you saying that makes you an asshole. So there we are. You know what I mean? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and so when we, when we give up ritual, when we as non-theists relinquish ritual and just let the lunatics have it, what we're also actually doing is limiting the number of people who can experience it healthily. And what Absolutely. we're and we're limiting the number of of people who can feel free to be religious non-theists, you know? Yeah, and I mean and now we know, I mean the science and we're only scratching the surface of the science of ritual right now, you know, and, and I clu- included a lot of those sources in my book and it's continuing it's a continuing growing field of, of study. But we're we're limiting ourselves not only as a religion for a way to kind of bring our community together and support each other, but we're we're limiting ourselves also for these like 
you know, these things that people have used for centuries independently as like ways to psychologically deal with, cope with, become better and, and know ourselves more. And I don't, I think that's a real disservice to all of us. The other thing that came to mind too, when you were talking is just that like, you know, of course, a lot of us are coming from, from these really fucked up religious experiences, having that baggage, but also just the Satanists in general, a lot of us haven't had a lot of experience um, communally uh, having support, having support of a community. And when I think about group rituals and the satanic community, I think of what a beautiful way it is to show our support for each other in a, in a world that rejects a lot of us for various reasons, you know, and why should we let somebody take that away from us? You know, why, why should we take this, this way to affirm ourselves? And uh, when nobody else has, why should we take this away from, from us? You know, 100%. Yeah, totally agree. And also an important caveat, if ritual is just not your thing and you know we all we are diverse people neurologically we're you know we're wired differently literally we have different Mm -hmm. brains and so if you're listening to this and just being like well i'm a satanist but i just do not get this that is okay you are told you are still 100 percent welcome and still 100 percent a satanist (laughs) and you are valid you are valid yeah (laughs) and you know like i i mean we've I grew up Presbyterian and there I've met some stone cold Presbyterians who just do not have an ounce of ritual or Mm -hmm. ecstatic religious experience inside of them. (laughs) And so religion just manifests itself in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, For people who are interested in starting in, in maybe exploring more of a ritual practice, what would you recommend? I would recommend that you, I was answering this question earlier today. I think that the thing that I would recommend is to explore as many avenues as possible to get your inspiration from a lot of different sources, to be wary of anybody who tells you there's one right way to do something and uh, distrust those sources immediately. Mm. And to just, I would say the first step for me when I was, when I was um, developing a practice was just to, to understand what my needs were. Just that act in itself, that's always been the center of my ritual. Um, but, you know, just, just uh, it's an invitation for you to be really intimate with yourself in a world that, you know, I think really discourages that in a lot of ways, uh, you know, in a capitalist society and a, in a world that wants us to focus on what other people want for us. Just, um, just you know, ask yourself what you need and, um, and just let yourself explore from there. Absolutely. Yeah. And... Uh, Will on Twitter, Willer Clowns. Um, he is the co-host of my fellow Rock Candy podcast, Common Creatives. He's also a Satanist. He asks on Twitter, is, is there a good introductory ritual practice she'd recommend for those of us who find ritual harder to engage with? Sure. I would say I like the, the site, that ritual from my book, but basically, basically it's a ritual kind of around vision boarding. Um, I probably, have, besides tarot, all the rituals I use, that is probably the one that's most common um, because I think it's like very, very tangible and uh, goal-focused, goal-oriented. So just to give you a brief background, um, the site is basically, I say it's like a ritual to see the future, but really it's a ritual to kind of, again, understand what your desires are and put them on paper or, you know, communicate them in whatever way makes the most sense to you and can kind of program your brain to be committed and open to what you need. Um, but that, that to me is a really good one. That one, you just kind of sit with yourself and 
try to, to just give yourself some space and time to understand what you want to accomplish. Um, so it can be something like along the lines of, you know, personal accomplishments, professional accomplishments, maybe it has to do with healing, just bring, bring forth, uh, bring forth in the front of your mind, whatever it is that you, uh, what, what you need again, what you desire. And then to, in this particular ritual, I suggest, you know, getting paper or like a, a board and actually, you know, writing down words, drawing pictures. There's one that I found really effective that I do a lot, which is to, um, to do, do one sort of vision board that is like 10 years in the future, five years in the future, and then one that is like more uh, proximal, so like a year out. But that gives you the freedom to just really start thinking about what you would like to have in your life, you know, from a more fantastical point of view, and then what you can do in the immediate to just kind of work your way to that point. So it's uh, from as somebody who is type A and, you know, works a lot along uh, logical steps, that one makes a lot of sense to me. And I think it could also resonate with people that are maybe a little bit more scared to delve in and, uh, you know, unsure of what to, to do. It's because that one's pretty practical. So that's, that's sure. a nice one, I think, to be able to kind of just focus your energy and start to understand, understand what you want. Yeah, I think that's great. And that ritual is in your book. And uh, people can find your book on Amazon. Actually, go buy it directly from the Serpentine website. Um, so then that money is going directly to Shiva and not through the Thanks. gigantic, disgusting <laughs> corporation that is, uh, that is Amazon. Here's another question that's kind of fun from Harry Hoofkloppen. Um, do you have time for another question, by the way? Sure. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm flexible. Okay. So Harry Hoofkloppen, we love you, Harry. Um, hey, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. Um, over there in Colorado, what would you, what would be the most magnificent over the top satanic funeral she can think of? Oh my God. Great question. Actually, Someone <laughs> just, someone just wrote me because they lost somebody, um, recently due to the pandemic. And, uh, mm. I sent them the, uh, memento mori ritual. And I actually think I might start writing quite a, a bit more on this topic, specifically grief rituals around grief and dying. But, yes. um, Oh, oh, it would have to be like the, um, like, uh, I can't think of what it's called off the top of my head right now, but like New Orleans style, probably something along those lines Oh man, but really, if it were to be like the best, the biggest, there would have to be like, if it were me, oh, there'd have to be like tons of music, live music. Absolutely. Probably like some, some, like a lot of food, uh, probably some sort of like sex workers around or like something to do with that i don't know just like the the best party you could ever imagine basically, <laughs> you know yeah. just like you know people being able to like really let themselves go and just you know celebrate uh this short time that we are on earth basically <laughs> celebrate life 100 <laughs> so, percent. yeah bring it all in you know absolutely yeah it, it makes me think of huntress thompson's funeral when where he had his ashes blasted out of a gigantic cannon in the oh, shape yeah. of a fist uh while playing mr tambourine man by uh by bob dylan i'm like that is my kind of funeral um it's so funny you mentioned him too because somebody asked me earlier who the thinkers are that have influenced me a lot and i wasn't really prepared it's a kind of a complicated question for me but i was going through my library and i was just like Hunter Thompson was the person I was reading right before I became a Satanist, like a lot of Hunter Thompson. So he is one of my I, personal heroes and like, I love uh, him so much. I love him. I love him so much. Like, girl, we need to, we need to get together sometime. <laughs> I know. And just, 
and just talk about Hunter S. Thompson. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, no. I, Hunter S. Thompson, Oscar Wilde, and Ray Bradbury were like my three really big influences in high school. Um, oh, that's excellent. So one more question. John Lee on Twitter asks, when is the sequel coming out? <gasps> what is the sequel? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure out. what I've got a couple of ideas for additional books, actually. So Great. complete transparency, like I said before, just this book really only took like, well, let me think of how many months. It maybe took like four or five months to write, but it was because I'd done so much work on the other side. I... It was actually a real pleasure to write this book. It wasn't, I'm used to, so I have like a graduate degree and I'm used to doing academic writing or like, What's your degree you know, in? writing for corporations. Um, my undergraduate was in political science and international studies and my master's was in public administration. Okay, so cool. hence, Great. you know, the national council trying to pull TST together from an organizational standpoint when I was sure. involved. But, uh, but yeah, um, Sorry, I just lost my train of thought there. For oh, a I'm second. so sorry. Um, <laughs> writing, it was a pleasure. Oh yeah, so so yeah, sorry, I pleasure. derailed you. It was no, no, it's all good. <laughs> it was like non-academic for me, so it was just a, it was just kind of like writing about my life in a way that was like felt very natural. So actually, I've just finished up. I've been had a really busy, as we all have, and traumatic, you know, couple months here. But um, I just finished sending out some of the last books I have, I still have to send out my completely signed books, my, uh, from Indiegogo, the ones that have to be signed by mm. Lucian and Lex because we can't see each other to get them signed until this is all over with. And we're all quarantining pretty hard. So, but, um, I just finished sending out like five over 500 packages. So what I'm going to do next week is sit down and start writing more for my Patreon and then working on a couple of book ideas too. So I definitely do want to do a follow-up or several to this, um, I really had a great time writing it and the response I've gotten is so far above and beyond what I had expected. It's incredible. Um, I had no idea. I, I knew from the rituals I had done at HQ that there was interest, but I had no idea how much people really wanted to, to read this. And like the reviews that people have given have been like really generous and kind, and it seems to be affecting people in a really positive way. So I just want to keep at it. I'm, I'm just riding the wave, you know? Great. And, uh, it's good. I'm also working on music for the book too. So uh, I'm, I started writing music to accompany each of the personal solo rituals. So I'm going to release that eventually. And I'm working on Satanic Planet. Uh, that yeah, record you're, too, you're so. also a member of Satanic Planet. Um, yeah, I think like one of those like, you know, I'm, I'm affiliated. So we're, we're <laughs> figuring out how that all works. But yeah, I'm sure. doing some like background vocals and I was supposed to go and like unbaptize people with them <laughs> Great. before the pandemic hit. But you know how it is. Very good. That's <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, for people who want to find you and uh, find your work, where can they do that? Yeah, if you go on serpentina.com, um, you can uh, learn more about my book, pick up a copy. And I've also got some additional writing for myself and some of my collaborators on that. And I just started up a Patreon as well. So that's under Shiva Honey. Um, and I, that's where I'm really trying to get us all together, us, us being those folks that are ritual practitioners and, and want to kind of grow and share and uh do some cool work Great. so i'm also on the socials just search shiva honey and aside from an actual honey company i think i usually pop up so <laughs> <laughs> fantastic all right well it has been such a pleasure talking to you and hopefully we can do this again soon i would love to thank you so much for having me this has been awesome it's been a pleasure all right well that is it for this show the music is by the jelly rocks and 117 you can find their albums on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to music. 
The artwork is by Ramakrishna Das. This is a Rock Candy podcast. For more shows like this one, go to rockcandyrecordings.com. We have some amazing shows there covering pop culture and music and trans issues, LGBT, uh, biblical scholarship, religion, climate change, all kinds of amazing stuff. So check out Bible Bash, Bubble and Squeak, Common Creatives, Eleventy Life, and we have so many more shows coming on the way. Go to rockcandyrecordings.com to find all those other shows. Also, if you love my work and you want to support it, but also if you enjoy the other stuff that I'm involved with, if you saw our appearance at Rock or if you saw Rock Candy's appearance at Wild Goose Festival last year, if you liked our uh, big Christmas party in Greenville, South Carolina, if uh, if you like the other shows that I'm involved with, then please support my Patreon. That is the best way to uh, support all the work that I'm involved with. And as always, this show is written, produced, and edited by me, Stephen Bradford Long, and Hail Satan. We'll see you next week. <laughs>